Okay, we are in, we're going through the Bible, Sunday evening, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We're right in the middle of the Bible, almost, just a few chapters away from the middle. We are in Psalm 65. Psalm 65. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this instruction manual that we have on worship, on spiritual warfare, on praise, on seeking you, Lord. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, this evening. Teach us what we need to know, Lord. In this area. Father, I know that your word says you're seeking people to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, we want to get those both right. We want to worship you in spirit. We want to worship you in truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Psalm 65, continuation of the Psalms. You know, the Psalms are just really are an instruction manual on worship, a workbook on worship. And hopefully as we go through the Psalms, we will be uh, find ourselves just in our own lives, worshiping the Lord more freely, more expressively, more strategically and it's my prayer that you all are taking note of these concepts and these teachings that we hear that we're studying about about worship and you're putting them into practice in your devotion time and so this psalm Psalm 65 begins with, Praise is awaiting you, O God in Zion. Now, really interesting, that word awaiting. We've talked a lot about waiting on God because the Bible, uh, throughout the Psalms, we see this expression, waiting on God. And uh, I've really been trying to sell that book that we sell out in the the bookstore on Sunday mornings, Waiting on God. This book changed my life. And it's such an important thing for us to understand what that means and what it is, and we're supposed to practice it. This, however, is a different verse. Believe it or not, the Hebrew literal translation is silent. Praise is silent before you, O God and Zion. And I guess the translators have a struggle with the, with the translation saying that, but that is what the verse means. That's what the word means there for awaiting. And, you know, we have, uh, as we have gone through the Psalms, there's a whole lot in these Psalms about expressive worship. David knew how to express his worship. When he was taking the ark into Jerusalem, I believe in Second Samuel, Many of you are familiar with the story. He was, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was coming in uh, to Jerusalem and uh, there was 
throngs of people, all the nobles from all over the country. There were musicians there, and David, the king, actually stripped down to his undergarments and was jumping and dancing and twirling. And his wife saw him, Michael, who is Saul's daughter, and it says that she despised him because of his behavior. And she confronted him. You know, it's just shameful. It's not a respectable person. That's not what they do. And David says, well, you will see me behave even more undignified than this, believe me. <laughs> and uh, I guess Vineyard took it and made a song out of it, and so <laughs> we sing that from time to time. Uh, you'll see me even more undignified than this. Made a song into that. But there is, so there's a time for expressive worship, but there is also time for a holy hush. I heard that when President Kennedy was assassinated in the early 60s for three days, all the radio stations, including all the rock stations, played nothing but classical music. It just wasn't a good time to, like, rock out, you know. The president had just been assassinated. And there is a time to be silent before the Lord, to recognize that He is holy. He is a living God. And so David uh, begins... This psalm, praises awaiting you, is silent before you, O God, in Zion. And to you the vow shall be performed. Verse 2, O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. Now that, throughout the psalms, remember, important to understand, David speaks prophetically throughout the psalms, meaning that uh, many of these psalms were messianic songs speaking specifically about the Messiah and Jesus. This is one is really talking about uh, the, the, the return of Christ uh, when every uh, knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. Verse 2, O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come, iniquities prevail against me. But as for our transgression, you will provide atonement for them. And so, so important for us to be real before the Lord. And here, David is just recognizing before the Lord, you know, iniquities prevail against me. And he's talking about his, his own sin here. Because he goes right on to, to say, well, but you provide atonement for them. But, you know, this is just... A man being honest before the Lord. So important that we not go to the Lord and fake it. Jesus says, unless you accept the kingdom of God like a child, you will by no means enter it. And God wants us, um, how does a child accept the kingdom of God? With their whole heart, like they do everything else. And so that's how um, we're supposed to worship and, and supposed to approach Him in our devotion time or our Bible time. And He's just like, iniquities prevail against me. Remember what uh, the Lord told Cain 
after Cain was mad because the Lord liked Abel's uh, sacrifice. He said, you know, sin is knocking at your door. Don't let it prevail against you. It did. And so oftentimes it does with us too. And David's just confessing that. You know, iniquities prevail. They're overtaking me. But as for my transgressions or our transgression, you will provide atonement for them. I find this... Yeah, I don't know if it's just... I hope it's just not me that gets excited about this, but I just find this in, incredible that 3,000 years ago, 1,000 years before Christ, here's a guy who understood the concept that it is impossible to provide for your own atonement. The, you know, you can go out throughout the world, even today, and there's, temp, there's temples and religion all over the place established so that man can try to sort of work out his own atonement. Now, here's a guy who had see, gotten revelation directly from the Lord that atonement only comes from God because men, iniquities prevail against them. So you, Lord, will provide atonement for them. Therefore, blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you. Now, this is a mystery. Here, Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 15, he said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And, you know, we look at that and we scratch our head. Well, that seems kind of strange and a little unfair. But the Bible does teach that, that, you know, we are born, David said, the Bible says we're conceived in sin, and unless God, verse 4, causes us to approach Him, we're not going to. And it's by His grace and mercy that we approach His altar. That, verse 4 continues, that He may dwell in your courts, and we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house. This is a prayer that I have for my own children. That they would come to the place in their life where they're satisfied just with the goodness of the Lord and His people. It's such a safe place to come to where we're satisfied just with the goodness of the Lord. I was just counseling someone today that's struggling just this seems to be on this never-ending uh, struggle with just with their flesh and just never ever winning and just you know it's just it it, it, it it's they actually gave a, a great I I actually asked the person can I use what you just said in the sermon so he said yes so I'll go ahead and use it now <laughs> he 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 said. It's like trying to overcome these sins. It's like holding my breath. Eventually, I just have to let out the air. And that's what it's like when we try to um, overcome sin in our own strength. And so I just prayed for him that he would come by God's grace to realize the goodness of the house of God. The goodness and love of God. So he's not trying to repent based upon in his own strength. It's, it's, it's going to be more about going to God 
going to God and to Him and to His love rather than coming away from sin. Because when, when we try to deal our, uh, with sin, if it's all about trying to leave it and get away from it, we're never going to be victorious over it. Victory in Christ is, is, is all about we see Jesus for who He is. We see His house for who He is and we run to it. Yeah, as we're run to it, yes, we're running away from sin. You guys all kind of with me on that one? Understand me on that one? So it's such a glorious place for Him to come to. Verse 5, By awesome deeds and righteousness, righteousness, You will answer us. O God of our salvation, You who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of the far off seas, who established the mountains by His strength, being clothed with power, you still the noise of the seas, the noise of their ways, and the tumults of the peoples. They also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs. So, when my brothers and I went, my brother and I uh, went down to the Amazon jungle and visited a missionary there. There was a tribe there, and I've shared this with some of you before, but these Indians, they never had, they had very, very little contact with um, other people, and they would be terrified of the sunset. They would be afraid of the clouds uh, if they got into a weird formation or whatever. And the thunder and the lightning. They would be afraid of it. They would recognize that there was something behind this, behind these things that they saw. And it says right here again in verse 8, those who dwell in the farthest parts um, are afraid of your signs. And, you know, the Bible does say, the, the question that we always get all the time if you're witnessing out in the streets or your friends or whatever, well, what about this person in the middle of the jungle who's never heard about the Lord? You know, or they can they be saved? Or um, they haven't? Uh, it's not fair if if they go to hell and they've never uh, heard about God. Well, the Bible teaches this verse teaches that everyone everywhere recognizes the existence of God. And the Bible says if they seek God, if they honestly seek Him, if they're seeing it, they're afraid of these signs and, and honestly seek Him, the Lord will be faithful and He will send someone to them. That's what happened to Cornelius. He was seeking God. And the Lord sent Peter to him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that, that none are without excuse because the very creation by the seas, by the mountains, by the rivers, people know that, that God exists and by, by the conscience that God gives them. You make the outgoings of the morning and evening rejoice. I love that. You visit the earth 
and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. There's a devotional in the devotional book that I read. The whole dev- the, that whole day's devotion is about this one verse. The river of God is full of water. Every man or woman who is sold out for Jesus will be brought to the place where they declare that this. Lord, your river is filled with water. And I think that what is uh, so important is that we don't get sort of fat and lazy on the abundance that God provides with his full, his river that's full of water. River full of water, meaning that God, as you continue to seek him, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, That's the full river that this is um, referring to. It's not a le- you know it's not a leaky river it's not a it, it's not a river that is just sort of dried up it's a full river but are we trusting in the abundance the blessing that God gives us if so he will start to he'll start to empty out that river that's the Bible the record of the Bible testifies that from beginning to end. You provide the grain for you, uh, so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. Verse 11, I love this. You crown the year with your goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. Brothers and sisters, this is this is reality. This is reality with Jesus. If we've never tasted this abundance, or if we think, you know, I can't even remember the last time that I could even identify with a verse like this. Something's wrong. You know, there are times and seasons of discouragement and depression in our lives. And that is part and partial to living in a fallen world and being in the middle of spiritual warfare where Satan has a big problem with you walking with the Lord. But God is always faithful to show you those paths with drips that drip with abundance. He is. He'll bring you there. He doesn't keep us there until we, until the rapture or until we, until we die and take on another body. But um, he shows us a piece of heaven on earth if we're sold out for him. Verse 12, they drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The little hills rejoice on every side. Now, like New Age religions have taken verses like these and they've gone uh, 
hog wild with them, and so they go up to mountains and they worship mountains and they think that uh, there's life, actual life inside of hills and beasts and rocks and whatever that is not what this verse and other verses mean. Psalm 148 has, goes right through it and all kinds of the moon rejoices, the sun rejoices, all of creation rejoices, but what that is, what those verses mean is not that they're literally rejoicing. This is their very existence. Their very existence brings glory to the living God. And that is just, David here is just overflowing with, uh, with worship here. Verse 13, the pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. And so, it's a great psalm. It really is. And um, I was just uh, teaching someone today about how I think uh, is a good way to do a devotion time. And, and one of the things uh, that I was telling them, and I've taught this before a couple times in the last few months, but you have to expect God to speak to you. Every single time you open up the Bible and have your devotion time with the Lord, you just have to expect it. And so, you know, sometimes uh, you'll you'll have a devotion time, and the verse that you'll have uh, be reading about is, "Don't let the sun go down on your anger." And and wow, that's convicting because I've been angry at this woman for the last five days. God spoke to you. But oftentimes, your devotion time will just simply be about worship. And just this week, I was in Psalm uh, 65. The river of God is full of water, was, was my devotion time. And the, you crown the year with your goodness. And it was, just, it was just wonderful because by the grace of God, I was just able to identify with that. And the Lord just really spoke to me just about the importance of remembering that his paths do drip with abundance. But Psalm 66 continues on with the same kind of theme. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God how awesome are your works. So that's convicting. It's like, Lord, when's the last time I really just told you how awesome are your works in my life, Lord? How awesome are your works in the Lord? Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you, and all the earth shall worship you. There you go again. And sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in His doing towards the Son of Man. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There uh, we will rejoice in Him. He rules by His power forever. His eyes observe the nations. 
uh, do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. And so, we've read plenty of Psalms where David is in the bottom of the barrel. He's saying, God, you're hiding self, yourself from me. I can't stand it. My bones are about to disintegrate. My, uh, uh, you know, there, there are deep furrows on my back. You are taking me from, uh, uh, from, uh, one trial to the next, uh, and and he just can't even see the Lord, but he's just crying out to the Lord. And we've been through a number of those Psalms, Psalm 51, right through about Psalm 58, are just all about these times in his life that are just excruciating. But then, remember, this is a worship manual, and, and all of this needs to be part of our worship life, including uh, including this. Verse 5, come and see the works of God. You know, there is something so refreshing about sharing the Lord with people. Something that cannot be substituted in any way. There are times in my life where I feel dry, where I feel dry, and I realize, you know, it's because I haven't told anyone about Jesus. In, in a long time. And there's just something about just going out and, 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 and sharing the Lord. Verse 5, come and see the works of God. That is just, wow, it just opens up your heart. It just lifts your countenance. And it's just such a, a, a powerful thing. And it's a gift from God that we're able to do that. Verse 8, Oh, bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of His praise to be heard, who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved. For you, O oh God, have tested us. You have refined us as a silver is refined. You brought us into the net you laid affliction on our backs and you have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. And so we've been through the Psalms where David is really in those times where um, they were, he just felt like horses were riding over his heads. But he's looking back and he is just understanding just the character that it has just worked into his life. And he's just, he's just praising the Lord for it. Romans 5 verse 3 says, And uh, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And in David, here, there's a taste, a foreshadowing of what we would get as a privilege of being a child of God through the Holy Spirit by entering into a relationship with Him. Verse 13, I will go into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows, which my lips have uttered, and my mouth was spoken 
has spoken when I was in trouble. So, have you ever been in trouble and you're in financial trouble or whatever and you're like, God, if you can get me out of this, I promise I will teach Sunday school for the next 75 Sundays. Or, you know, you're in a broken relationship or something. Lord, you restore this and I will go to every prayer meeting for the next 13 years or whatever. David is saying here in, uh, he's saying here in this verse, verse 14, I'm going to go back and all those vows that I spoke when I was in trouble, I'm going to fulfill them. And so it is important to understand that there is grace when we make a foolish vow, you know, we, you know, we're, we're we're so stupid so many times. The things we vow, you know, Lord, I, I promise I'll I'll pay you twenty percent of my salary if you can, uh, you know, get me promoted within a year. Or, but you may not be able to afford twenty percent of your salary, <laughs> and then, you know, and there's grace for that. But there also is a time to reflect upon, you know, wow, I, I did tell the Lord that, um, you know, I'd serve him in, in this particular way when I was in that bind. And come to think of it, I've totally blown him off. There's a time for that. And that's what uh, David is, is talking about here. Verse 15, I will offer you burnt sacrifices of animals with sweet aroma of rams. I will offer bulls with goats. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what He has done for my soul. Jeremiah speaks of how that one chapter of Jeremiah where he's um, He's, he's saying that he, you know, he 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 was he's silent and he wasn't sharing any of the uh, of the word of God. But the, the, he's just saying the word of God's like a fire within me, and I just got to get it out. And that is sort of what's going on here in verse sixteen. He says, "Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what He has done for my soul." He just uh, he just can't help but get it out. He just can't help but get out what the Lord has done uh, for him. And just what a wonderful season of life when the Lord has us uh, in a season like this. Verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. You know, whenever there's a plane crash, as, all, as most of you know, uh, the first thing that you, the thing you always hear about is the FAA is, is going to the bottom of an ocean or whatever, looking for what? The black box. And you try to figure out, you know, why did this crash happen? And sometimes, you know, our prayers crash. They crash. 
we send them up and they crash back down. And what you don't want to do when your prayers are not being answered, what you do not want to do is say to yourself, oh yeah, my prayers haven't been answered, God must not be interested, whatever. And you just sort of go along. Because over time, your heart will harden. Instead, you should go to the Lord and say, Lord, I've been praying about this for some time. Is there a reason? Is there a reason that my prayers have not been answered? Sometimes it's because the reason our our prayers are not being answered is because we are regarding iniquity in our heart. The Bible does say, says in verse 18, that God's not going to answer prayer when we're when we have unrepented, unconfessed sin because He doesn't want us to continue in it. He doesn't want to give us a false support uh, structure in our lives. And and in Peter, the apostle Peter. And speaking to men, he says, you know, you guys, you men, if you're not treating your wife with respect, if you're not loving her, don't surprise. Don't be surprised if your prayers are hindered. If your prayers are going unanswered. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Turn with me to Malachi Malachi. Last book of the Old Testament. Look at verse 13. Of chapter 2, Malachi 2, verse 13, last book of the Old Testament. It says, And this is the sec-. So Malachi's rebuking these guys big time. And this is the second thing you do. So we won't talk about the first thing. You can do that um, for your own mark. But this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So they're praying to the Lord. They're crying to the Lord. They're literally tears are coming out of their eyes at his altar. But he, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor does he receive it with goodwill from your hands. And you, yet you say, for what reason? So why aren't you listening to my prayers, Lord? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. So, there... Apparently, what was going on here, these men, just like Jesus said they did in the Sermon on the Mount, used to give certificates of divorce for basically anything. 
and dump the wife of their youth. You know, their 45, 50, 55 year old wife or whatever wasn't, she didn't look like she was 25 anymore. So they would deal treacherously with her. In other words, they would basically make all kinds of excuses about why she really wasn't fit to be a good wife anymore. And they would dump them. And then they would go to the altar as if none of that ever happened, say, oh Lord, you, you know, I love you so much, or, or whatever, they would be weeping and crying. But it says, it says in verse 13, the Lord didn't regard their offering. Why? Because they dealt treacherously with their wives. They had regarded iniquity in their heart. And... Many times, we go to prayer, our prayers are not being answered. It's because the Lord wants us to wait. Wait on the Lord. We have heard that enough in Psalms, haven't we? We're going to hear it a lot more. But other times, it's because we're regarding iniquity in our heart. And no matter, I, you know... You may think you have, you're on this glorious, spirit-filled walk with the Lord and can't imagine that the reason you, a prayer request is, hasn't been answered could be because you're regarding iniquity in your heart. Man, I really suggest you back away from that attitude and you go to the, you go to the Lord and ask Him, have I regarded iniquity in my heart. And so, go to the Lord with these things. Verse 19, But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor His mercy from me. Psalm 67. Short psalm. Wonderful psalm. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Your way may be known on earth and that your salvation among all the nations. So notice here the progression of these two verses. First, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. Here's the tragedy. The tragedy is this. I just, I, I've just known so many people who call themselves Christians, who put the name of Christ over their head. This is the extent of their spiritual life, is verse 1. They never go on to verse 2. They stop at the end of verse 1. Be merciful to me and bless us. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. 
But look at the intention that the Lord has for blessing. It's in verse 2. That your way may be known on earth. And we just read that, right? In in the two Psalms before that, uh, of someone shouting out uh, in verse 16 of Psalm 66, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what He has done for my soul. That's God's intent for blessing us. It's not that we grow fat and happy and lazy. It's that we're out declaring to the world. Again, verse 2, that your way, O Lord, may be known on earth. That your salvation will be known among all the nations. All of them. Now, the Jews, you know, you hear uh, from time to time conversation about the Jewish people and for the most part, if you talk to a an orthodox uh, rabbi or, or someone who takes their Jewish religion very seriously, I believe what you will find almost across the board is they're not into proselytizing. They're not into sharing their faith. They, they specifically will tell you in some quarters... I believe that it's it's wrong, and that's you know they don't want to be a menace type of deal. But that's not what the Bible teaches. A good Jew is supposed to do. Psalm sixty-seven is just one example. So there's many others, by the way, which are quoted in the New Testament, in the Book of Matthew, and otherwise. It says right here. Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. The Jews were supposed to go out and be a light to the world. Uh, The the Israel uh, was started in the first place, starting with Abraham, and, and, and the nation was created from there for the very purpose to be a light to the world, so that people would see the nation of Israel and say, now, wow. Look at their God. And from time to time, remember, things like that happened. Nebuchadnezzar saw Daniel being uh, rescued from the mouth of a, of a lion, and he was had a proclamation, you know, about how great Jehovah is. From time to time, you, you see that happen, but... With the Jews, they really lost their way over time and they became very insular, meaning inward, to the point, if um, I believe if you go to uh, extra-biblical books like the Talmud and the Mishnah and things like that, you'll see just crazy things in there about how, you know, hell, I've been told that, you know, one of the things that's in there is that the fires of hell um, exist uh, to for the purpose of, you know, just letting Gentiles uh, be destroyed, that Gentiles rather exist for the purpose of keeping uh, hell, the hell's fire, hellfires, you know, going on, and that if you even rubbed up 
next to a Gentile. You had to either get rid of your clothes or burn them. You were unclean. Uh, they called, you see in the Old Testament, what did they call Gentiles? They called them dogs. They had a disdain for them. And in most quarters, it's like that to this very day. There's a hardness, there's a harshness uh, to everyone outside of their uh, community. And so, as Christians, I pray that we're not like the church, uh, which is the, which is the church where Jesus says in Revelation two and three that if they don't shape up, he's going to take away their uh, lampstand. Anyone? Where's Greg? Is that the Laodicean? Come on, Greg. You just talk through Revelation, Pastor Greg. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't. Don't quiz me upon what what I taught on two weeks ago. But was that? Is it the Ephesians? Okay, the church in Ephesus? God help us if we're the same way, that we get filled with um, blessing, but our lampstand is taken away. Remember, that's what happened to the Jewish people. And Jesus repeats it over and over in the parables that it was their ministry to be a light to the world, but they abdicated they refused to, um, uh, to, to, to walk in their calling, so God gave it to someone else. And God help us if we become a church. Bless me, bless me, bless me, but we don't get to verse number two. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Verse 3, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. So how will the earth yield her increase? How will the... What is... What really is the, uh, the, the, the formula, if you will, I hate that word, but the formula for increase? It's when there's a people who praises the Lord with a pure heart, who do not regard iniquity in their heart. That is when the earth yields its increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. And so that's a a wonderful, wonderful ministry and calling of the church to seek the Lord without iniquity, you know, in our hearts. 
the blessing will follow and the earth will take notice. That's a ministry. So, um, I tell you what, we'll end there. We'll end a little early tonight and we will pick up in Psalm 68, which is a longer psalm, we pick up uh, next week.